You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this year's Advent sermon series, The Great Gift, we celebrate the faith, hope, and peace that are ours in the foundation of our incarnate Savior. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, If you have your Bibles, and I sure hope you do, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Just kind of go to the middle of your Bible and hang a right for couple pages and you'll run into Isaiah 9, very familiar passage, especially for Christmas. Um, Today we're going to finish up our Advent series, The Greater Gift. We know that Christ is the greater gift that we have been given um, through the love of the Father. Eric started our um, series um, with faith in a promised foundation, where we looked at God's faithfulness throughout history. Starting with Genesis 3, where the serpent crusher was promised in in the fulfillment of the promise being made, obviously, in the birth of Jesus Christ. So, our faith is rooted in God's faithfulness. It's just incredible. It's rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God has been faithful, and our faith is rooted in that foundation of of a person, Jesus Christ. Then we move to the hope in a future foundation. And that was two weeks ago. A sure and steadfast anchor of our soul is what Hebrews calls it. This hope is a living hope as we unpacked and looked at what Peter told us in, in 1 Peter. This is a living hope rooted in the resurrection of Jesus and looking towards the second advent when Jesus comes and makes all things new. Our hope is not rooted in our circumstances, but in a person, Jesus Christ, our foundation. In the simplest of terms, what we have done through this Advent series is we kind of have looked at the past and we have looked at the future. And today what we want to do is we want to look at the present. We want to look at today. Today we want to look at our peace in the present foundation of Jesus. How is Jesus the greater gift today? He is the greater gift because he brings us peace. He brings us peace. I want to read these two verses and pray for us, and we'll see what the Lord has for us today. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to gather and and worship you today, Lord. Thank you that as we gather, it's the time of year where we are looking to the incarnation, to our Savior being born. Fully man and fully God, because that is the only way he can reconcile us back to you. Lord, I pray that, yes, it's usually a, a very busy time and of year, but I pray as we just sang that we will prepare him room. But maybe today we came in 
without any peace. Maybe circumstances of life or just different things that have happened over the last month or six months or maybe it's been all year long that we just lose our peace. We feel chaotic. Well, I just pray that if there's anyone here today that feels that, Lord, that your word will wash over them and they will trust in the Prince of Peace so that they may have peace. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, just to give us a little context, since we're kind of dropping right in into these verses within this chapter, Isaiah 8 ended in darkness and gloom. It, it's a, it's, it, it tells us about a corrupt and wicked people who were seeking occult wisdom from mediums and rejecting wisdom of God. So you have these people, again, that just consistently and always, they walk away from what God has for them and and, and they're seeking other ways to find wisdom, to, to live their lives. And, and they were just kind of roaming the earth in angry despair and cursing God. That's how, kind of how chapter 8 closes. Like things are not looking good for Israel and his people. It, 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 Isaiah 8.22 says, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Thick darkness, painting a picture of, of no hope, painting a picture of lost people. But as we turn the page to chapter 9, the faithfulness of God again is put on display. As Isaiah paints the picture of his great light that will come to dispense this darkness. Isaiah 9 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness on them has light shone. See, God has not forgotten them because he is faithful. Because of this light shining in the darkness, the people respond with overpowering joy. The, the preceding verses before where we're looking, they're worshiping, they're rejoicing what God has done because they were in a very dark place, but the, the light has shone. At least this promise of a light. For them, it was a promise. For us, it's what has already happened. It's history for us. That's what verses 3 through 5 tell us. It's this worshiping of what God will do. Who is the light? Who brings such joy? Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Just stop and think about that. A son is given. Not that we're deserving not that we've done anything to earn it. It's been given. And that is Jesus. And that's what we celebrate, his birth. He is that light. John 8, 12 says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light has come to bring victory to God's elect. Just like in the day of Midian, as verse 4 alludes to, remember, Midian had this great army and God whittled it down to face the Midianites. Whittled it down to 300 men. Why did he do that? Because if you overwhelming, have overwhelming force, then who does not get the credit? God does not get the credit. And that's what they're rejoicing. Rejoicing in this victory. 
And they're alluding back to Gideon's win. Actually, God's win, right? That's what they're alluding to. And that's what they're worshiping. Jesus will set the captives free and give sight to the blind. That's what we read many months ago, actually almost a year ago now, in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are pressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, the light has come. Isaiah goes on to tell us more about our, that great light, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he does this by these many different names that he gives within this verse 6 here. Isaiah 6, let me just read that again. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, obviously today's whole thrust, the whole point is, is Jesus is our peace in this present foundation. He is our present foundation, and this is where we get our peace. So before we look at these truths about these names here, I just want to say something about peace. Now, often I would, whenever I want to try to explain something, I I have very good um, mentors and people that I look to, such as Piper and Sproul and Begg and Keller, and I go to them to try to say, because often they're very good at taking some complex ideas and make them simple, but to be honest with you, I found the best explanation from the Bible Project. Um, If if you're not familiar with that, they do a lot of work in trying to explain um, bigger overarching topics. They have books, you know, videos for each book of the Bible. Um, And I found their explanation of peace, I don't know, just hit home for me more. And I I hope it helps us to see today the peace that exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about the Prince of Peace and the peace that he gives us. Peace can be a subjective feeling in the heart, or an objective state of affairs between two formerly hostile parties. We understand that. We have peace that we feel when things are okay, or at least when we think things are okay. And then we can recognize when two parties are hostile and peace needs to come. We kind of understand that idea of peace. The word, again, does refer to the absence of conflict, but in the Bible, it also points to something a little bit more, something that the Old Testament would, word would be shalom. It points to something a little bit more, and that means completeness or wholeness. See, whenever you have peace, that means that you are complete or you're feeling whole. There's no tension in your life. There's no disruption in your life. There's actual flourishing in your life. That's the peace that Jesus brings us. That's the peace that is offered to us today through our our Lord and Savior. The idea of completeness or wholeness. The word can refer to a stone. It just gives us a picture. A stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. Or a wall that's complete without any missing pieces. It could also refer to something that's complex with lots of pieces that is in a state of completeness or wholeness. As Job says, his tents are in a state of peace because he counted his flock and no animals were missing. In other words, his whole flock was there, so it's complete, I have peace. Or 
this means peace. This idea of complete and wholeness, which is very important for us because so much, many times our desires and in our lives and what we want to do brings no peace. That's because it's not lining up with the Word of God, and we think that that's where we find peace, but what it is is fracturing our lives, and we step out of this wholeness, or we step out of this completeness. Now, we all experience this because we still live with our flesh, we still live in a fallen world, but one day we will be made completely complete. <laughs> that's the promise of the new heavens and a new earth when sin will be completely eradicated. The presence of sin will be gone. Now this idea, the core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of sorts, out of alignment, we lose our peace or peace breaks down. And we've all experienced that. We've experienced it maybe as we've gathered with our families over this weekend for different holiday meetings or times of being together where everything's good until, you know, Uncle Larry says something that just sets everybody off and there's no more peace. But it's even more than that, right? It's this wholeness. It's this flourishing of life. And the interesting thing is when you use peace as a verb, and, and that is what you're doing when you're making things whole again or restoring them, as you're using this idea of peace, shalom, as a verb. I bring you peace. I mean, many of you who read the, the New Testament, you know that Paul often says that. Peace to you. Wholeness to you. Life to you. This is what the law of God was intended to do for us. Psalms 119, 165 says this, Great peace I have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. See, the law, the word, is to bring us wholeness, bring us peace. For example, the law says if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you bring peace to them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. That's just one example from the law and the in the Old Testament. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. You restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring peace. Now, isn't it interesting that the Bible tells us that because we are in Christ, we are now agents of reconciliation? Now, what re relationship are we reconciling? Yes, we can be the agents of reconciliation from one human to another, but predominantly because we've been given the Word of God and we have the message of the gospel, we are reconciling people to God through our proclamation of the gospel. That's what we've been charged to do. It's one of the reasons why He saves us, to spread the gospel, to share the good news, to bring peace. See, Jesus is the one who brings us this peace because he fulfills both parts. He has removed the conflict between us and God. That's the hostility part, right? We were hostile to God. That's what Romans tells us. That's what Ephesians 2 tells us. So he, he's 
made peace that way, but he's also made peace in our hearts. How has he done that? It's because we are now born again. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us obey the law so that we may be whole again. He fulfills both parts. That's the wonderful good news of the gospel. It's his work that he's doing. He's fulfilling both parts. He restored the wholeness, the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our peace. Ephesians 2, 13 through 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near to the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That's what Christ has done for each one of you if you are in Christ today. Jesus, the Son of God, is our peace. That's what Isaiah says in our passage, a son is given. That is what we celebrate. Christmas is the celebration of a God giving his son to humanity to bring us peace. Yes, he fixed the hostility between two relationships. He also has touched our hearts. So we have this internal peace. He goes on to say in the government will be on his shoulders. All the kings in the Bible, they were supposed to bring peace to the land because God made peace with them, but they failed. They broke under the burden, but not Jesus. Calvin said it this way, He therefore shows that the Messiah will be different from indolent kings who leave off business and cares and live at their ease, for he will be able to bear the burden. So where those kings failed, our king, Jesus, will not fail him. He will not fail us. He goes on to say then, he gives us these names for Jesus. We will hit each one of these names. We won't spend as much time on each one, but we will at least address them. The first one is wonderful counselor. We should not separate these words like wonderful and counselor. It's wonderful counselor. It's two words together. It is um, wonderful because the counsel comes from himself. Isn't that interesting? Like he doesn't need us. His counsel is wonderful because it comes from himself. The creator of the universe does not need anyone's help, including our opinion on how things should be. But boy, do we love giving our opinion on how things should be, right? We do that all the time. I, I know at least I do. Maybe I'm here today all alone in, in doing that. But I know that, that many times I, I give quite good advice to God, but um, what am I doing? Like, I'm trying to build my kingdom instead of his kingdom. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of his will, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He's sovereign. He knows what's best. He created everything. In many ways, what right do we have to stand before the creator of everything and say, oh, I think things should go that way? I mean, that's the root of pride. That's the heart of pride. That's, now we're back in Genesis 3, are we not? Romans eleven thirty three through 36 says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. He knows the beginning from the end. 
He's in charge of it all. He created it all. Nobody gives him counsel. And it's a wonderful thing that he gives us counsel from himself. He doesn't have to go elsewhere. And it's perfect counsel because he also created us. He knows what is best for us. And God loves us so much that he does not keep it a secret, brothers and sisters. He does not keep it a secret. He tells us how to have peace and to live a whole and complete life. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye open upon you. I will counsel you. I will help you. Here's the question for us today. Where do you go to get counsel? Where do you go to get counsel? Is it TikTok or YouTube or Google or Twitter or Facebook or even the worst place? Do we look inside of ourselves to get counsel? Or do we go to the source of the most wisest counsel to be found that will ever be found? Jesus and his word. Because he is the word. We go to him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. In fact, that's exactly what the children are learning today. We go to him. Where do you go for counsel? If Jesus was sitting here today, and every single one of us has something, some kind of of life issue in our lives, It, it might be near, it might be far away, it might be like on the back burner, it might be burning hot. But if you were able to sit down and ask Jesus, counsel, would you do it? Or would you still run to all the different ways that you seek counsel today? If you say that, oh, Joe, if Jesus was here, man, I'd be, if there'd be a line from front to back. I, I, I would say that maybe we're not being honest with ourselves. Because he has given us counsel. It's right here. And it's available 24-7. And it's perfect counsel because it comes from a perfect God. And what we do is we say things like, I'm too busy building my kingdom to receive the wise counsel from the wonderful counselor. Or we believe the lie and say, I can't understand that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's just a lie from Satan. See, Jesus cared enough for you to remove those excuses. John 14, 15 through 17 says it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, another counselor, to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
So, guys, he has us surrounded. If you're in Christ today, he's caused you to be born again. He's placed the spirit in you, and his spirit is driving you to his word and to his will and to his commands so that we may obey. Not because he's a brutal dictator, because this will give us a flourishing life. This will make us complete. This will make us whole. This will give us peace. So I ask you again, where today do you get your counsel? Where do you get your counsel? Maybe you're here today and you have no peace in your life because you have been seeking counsel from something other than the wonderful counselor. And maybe your life does not feel whole or you're not flourishing because you have received the counsel but simply have not obeyed that counsel. I'll get around to that sometime. So he wants you to have peace. He desires for you to have peace. Please seek him for your counselor because he is a wonderful counselor. And he is also a mighty God. Jesus is fully man and fully God. If Jesus was not God, then we should not be worshiping him. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Is that not what we do when we seek counsel other than from the word and from God? Jeremiah is saying, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That's scary words. Calvin says, For if we find in Christ nothing but the flesh and nature of man, our glory will be foolish and vain, and our hope will rest on an uncertain and insecure foundation. But if he shows himself to be to us God and mighty God, we may now rely on him with safety. And that's exactly what Eric was trying to unpack for us, the first message of Advent, is just how faithful and reliable and strong he is, that all of this history he has put together to bring you to this point to hear this message from him, not from Joe. We can rely on him because he must be mighty strong because he won the battle. He won the battle that we cannot even attempt to win. It's interesting that, that um, like, in the book of Revelation, and as soon as I, I say that word, all kinds of, everyone will perk up now because I mentioned the word, the book of Revelation. But you notice that, that so much of it is, is, is God saying, opening a window for John, and he's opening a window for John, and he's opening a window, and he's letting him see what a lot of things are happening behind the scenes. You know, he must be a mighty God because there is so much happening right now that we don't see and we don't even feel, thankfully, because of his presence and what he's done for us. But we know he's strong because he's also taking care of those things. We get a little glimpse of it out of Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There's a war going on that we don't see, but God's already won that through his son Jesus, obviously. With good reason does he call him strong and mighty. Because our contest is with the devil, with death, and sin. 
enemies too powerful and strong, by whom we would be immediately defeated if the strength of Christ had not rendered us invincible. Invincible. We're better than Superman. We are invincible. Our souls, if we are in Christ, will live forever, and there's nothing that sin, death, or the devil can do to us. Because he is a mighty God. Not only does he win the battle, but he brings great peace because his strength protects our salvation. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, How much peace do we have because we know if we are in Christ and we've been born again, that nothing can touch our salvation. We saw that in the living hope, right? 1 Peter 1, 4 through 5, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He is a mighty God, and he holds our salvation securely, and that should give us great peace. We're not working for it. It's been a gift given to us. We don't keep it. You know, the idea that, you know, I'm holding on to God. No, stop. He's holding on to you. Rest in that and have some peace. He's holding on to you. For he is God who is pleased to show himself strong on our behalf. He is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God and everlasting father. Now, it is a bit weird to call Jesus Father, but don't get hung up on that. Ancient kings often refer to themselves as fathers to their subjects. This name reveals the divine eternal care that the coming king will have for his people. The coming king possesses divine eternity. He is from ancient times, and he will not need a successor to follow him in his footsteps. He is the king of kings. Going back to the passage that Sam read for us, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Everlasting Father. He is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, and everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is the last title. And the prophet declares by it that the coming of Christ will be the cause and full perfect happiness for us, wholeness for us. The general meaning is that all who submit to the dominion of Christ will lead a quiet and blessed life in obedience to him. We will submit to him. You know, kings usually don't, when they give out edicts or commands, they don't like, ah, well, if you feel like it, go ahead. No. He's expecting us to strive to obedience. Hence, it follows that life without the king is restless and miserable. The thing is, it seems like, I know in my life, and and maybe it's true of you, that there's always a king present, right? It's just whether or not his name is Joe or Jesus. There always seems to be a king present in my life. But without King Jesus, our lives are restless and miserable, but But we also should take into considering the nature of this peace. It is both inward and outward, as I mentioned earlier. Outward peace because we are longer, no longer at odds with God. 
Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But also this inward peace. Colossians 3, 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. That's so that we will patiently endure every kind of adversity. And from the same fountain will likewise flow outward prosperity. Outward prosperity meaning this, this joyful, fulfilling life, which is the blessing of God. And this peace that Prince of Peace brings us, it has no end. Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of this increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He begins to explain and confirm what he had formerly said, that Christ is the Prince of Peace. He's by saying that the government is extended to every age and is perpetual, and that there will be no end to the government or to specifically the peace that he brings. So as we celebrate the birth of Christ Jesus, we worship much more than baby Jesus. We worship our wonderful counselor, our mighty God and everlasting father, and our prince of peace. Whenever distrust arises and all means of escape are taken away, whenever life is overwhelmingly chaotic, or as we say around my house, it's just a hot mess. Let us recall to our remembrance that Christ is called wonderful. Wonderful counselor because he has inconceivable methods of assisting us. Not only does he give us his word, he gives us a faith family. He gives us a brother and sister in Christ that may come and put their arm around us and encourage us and love on us in a time of chaos. Wonderful counselor and his power is far beyond what we are even able to conceive. Just to stop and think that when he speaks, all of creation exists. We can't conceive that power, but we can trust in it. When we need counsel, let us remember that he is that wonderful counselor. When we need strength, let us remember that he is a mighty God. And with terrors or chaos or and especially when death is brought to the forefront, let us rely on that eternity of which he is with good reason called the Father. And by the same comfort, let us learn to soothe all distress because that distress is just temporary, right? We're not meant for this life. We're just kind of passing through. When we're inwardly tossed by various desires and when Satan attempts to serve our conscience, let us remember that Christ is the Prince of Peace. Because we do have a real enemy and he just loves messing with us. 
He is the Prince of Peace. Our experience of peace in a broken and fallen world, it doesn't come about by sweet baby Jesus. It comes about by mighty King Jesus enthroned forever. Our confidence to not get swept away in sorrow, brokenness, anger, or despair, despite what we are seeing around us, it is rooted in Christ victoriously enthroned over all things. Peace was won by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus enthroned on high. Now I know that many of you sitting here are very smart, educated, successful people, and life is just not working for you. You have no peace. It's not working because you are implementing counsel from someone other than the Word made flesh. So today, God's brought me here to ask you, will you receive the greater gift this morning? Will you receive the Prince of Peace? Will you receive our mighty God? Our wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the the joy we have because you have saved us. Lord, thank you so much for the peace that we gain through your wonderful counsel, the fact that you hold our salvation in your hands and nothing can take it away from us. You are strong. Lord, you love us so, so much. A son was given. A son was given so that we may be adopted, so that we may be children, so we may have the privilege to go to the throne because what Christ has done for us. He is our peace. He is our peace. Father, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you have given them ears to hear and eyes to see you as Savior and Lord. And I pray that they will turn from trusting whatever they might be trusting in and trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would do that today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.